Here's the new Cold War podcast with Edward Lucas. The coronavirus pandemic is changing the world. In my weekly column for Common Crisis on the SEPA website in mid-May 2020, I looked at the potential winners and losers. Reputations build slowly, but vanish quickly, usually when big news events crystallise long-held but inchoate worries. Many people were uneasy about militant Islam before September the 11th, 2001, but it took the terrorist attacks in New York and Washington DC to bring home the menace. Long-standing worries about casino capitalism leapt to the foreground after the financial crisis in 2008, when taxpayers picked up the bills for the bankers' greed and recklessness. Now the COVID-19 pandemic is changing the opinions that form the foundations of our geopolitics. In public perceptions, NATO was nowhere. Neither, especially at the start, was the European Union. Worst of all, the United States was missing. In 2014, it led the successful effort to quench the Ebola outbreak in Africa. The Centres for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta were the global go-to place for international health emergencies. But in the biggest crisis of modern times, the US administration, far from coordinating a global medical, economic and diplomatic response, is mainly engaged in political point scoring against critics at home and against the admittedly deserving target of the Chinese Communist Party. This should be no surprise. Donald Trump and his administration have explicitly decried what they call globalism and the global community. They dislike international organisations, the WTO for trade, WHO for health, UNESCO for culture and many others. They may have a point and it may well be what the voters want. Many Americans may justly feel that the rest of the world has been ungrateful for past US efforts and that it's now time to focus on other things. But outsiders notice. Britain's reputation has taken a pounding too. The shenanigans over Brexit in the last few years made it hard to argue that Westminster-style parliamentary democracy was an exemplary form of governance. Now the shambolic response to the pandemic has undermined Britain's reputation for competence, courage and common sense. The colossally costly lockdown was supposed to buy time. But our decision makers have squandered that time. We have the worst death toll in Europe and seemingly no plan to put things right. Muddle and anxiety abound. It's hard to argue that Danish children are more dangerous than British ones, so why are Danish school teachers prepared to teach their pupils when British teachers won't? It's easier to see losers than winners, but some unlikely stars are twinkling through the murk. Remember Eastern Europe? Snooty commentators in the Old West often write off the once communist world, as backward and badly organised. But in responding to the pandemic, these countries did remarkably well, with a mixture of excellent public health systems and civic engagement. Greece, supposedly bankrupt and ill-governed, has one of the lowest death tolls in Europe. Not-so-conformist Sweden's standout policy of trying to preserve as much normal life and economic activity as possible has also attracted much attention. New Zealand, and its Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, are enjoying an unwanted limelight. Taiwan, too, is basking in praise and some unusual, much-needed international support. Mid-sized countries, notably Australia and Canada, are seeing if strength in numbers can make up for the gap left by the US, creating what the New York Times calls a middle-power dynamic. 
We mostly remember disappointments more than pleasant surprises. The positive gains are unlikely to survive the return of normal life. What will remain in the public consciousness is that the big countries and big organisations that are meant to be the guardians of our safety let us down. Such judgments may be harsh, premature and sweeping, but those who hold them vote. In Italy, once fervently pro-European, three-fifths of the population now dislike the EU. More than half think China is a friend. That does not mean that Italy will leave the EU or NATO, but it does mean that anti-Western politicians there and in other countries will have an easier job. This is Edward Lucas with the New Cold War podcast. You can find more about me, my books and other publications at edwardlucas.com or follow me on Twitter at Edward Lucas. This has been a homegrown media production. For more on the New Cold War, please visit edwardlucas.com.